the volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. What is going on? How we doing? Three and out podcast. It's not quite as cold as it just was in Buffalo. Monday Night Football. Patriots. Uh, manhandled the Bills. We'll dive into that game. And uh, yeah, I, I have several thoughts immediately. I, I came right into the office, fired up the podcast equipment, and said, time to roll. Because that was a throwback game. We'll dive into it in one second. Some thoughts on Gardner Minshew. Some thoughts on the Steelers. Some thoughts on Joe Brady getting uh, fired from the Carolina Panthers. Mario Cristobal goes to Miami. Venables goes to Oklahoma. We'll cover it all. And then, of course, the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. At John Middlecoff. Slide up into the DMs and get your questions answered here on the Middlecoff mailbag. Also, subscribe to the podcast. Share the podcast with your friends. If you haven't, leave a review. Would greatly appreciate it. Let's dive into what we just witnessed. The Patriots and the Bills. Patriots win the game 14-10. to The first thing that comes to my mind was an Al Davis line. Just win, baby. And I think sometimes football, and I think it parallels a lot of things in life, Whoever the best is at their business, at their industry, typically has like a go-to move. And in football, 
most coaches that are really successful have a specific scheme, have a specific thing they do. And it's hard for them to scrap that thing in specific big games to do other things, right? To be like a chameleon and just do whatever it takes to win that individual game. It's not even them being stubborn or hard-headed. Just when you're anyone at the highest level, you know what works for you and you stick with it. And sometimes it fails. And I think the greatest attribute to the greatest coach in the history of football, and I think you could argue in arguably the history of all of sports in Bill Belichick, is that he has no scheme. That he truly does not care. There is no ego when it comes to his game plan. He will do and tell his coaches and dictate a game plan and just a philosophy on every individual opponent, whatever that opponent needs to win that game and whatever the weather dictates for his team. All he cares about is at the end of 60 minutes, he has more points. And that sounds very, uh, I don't trivial might be the wrong word, but very rudimentary, very basic. But I, I don't think I can overstate how coaches want to do what they want to do. Bill has no scheme. You heard Peyton talk about it tonight when you face their defense, and he's a defensive guy. They have no tendencies. He will do whatever it takes. Offensively, over the years, when they got Randy Moss, they'll throw deep. When they got Corey Dillon, they'll run the ball. When they got Gronk or Welker, they're dink and dunk. They will do whatever it takes. He just won a game in a crazy weather with his first-round quarterback, he spent all this money on tight ends. He spent all the he he bought some wide receivers. He threw the ball three times, and on on Max first pass attempt, Josh McDaniels screamed at him. He clearly checked into a pass. They did not want to do that. That was a game plan that was purely dictated on the weather, and then it kept working because the Buffalo Bills. And I tweeted this during the game. Like, why don't they get into a goal line situation? Now, I understand you get into a goal line situation if they have a couple wide receivers on the field. You can't cover them. But by about the second quarter, the man on the moon, my mother in Davis, California, all of us listening to this podcast and myself sitting on the couch knew that the Patriots were not going to throw the ball. They had zero intention to throw the ball. They didn't call any uh, pass plays. They were only going to run the football. It was a coaching clinic by Bill and Josh of just being simple, of like, we're not overthinking this one. We're going to run it up the middle, and we're going to run it on the edges all fucking night long. And until you stop it, which the Bills never did, 44 carries and 229 yards and a touchdown and just dominating on the ground, just bullying their defense, we're not going to change. We do not need to throw. We're not doing this for style points. We don't need style points. All we care about is wins, division championships, and Super Bowls. We, we don't care how you judge us, what you say about us. We do not care. And we also are going to play to our strength. We're running the ball. It's being effective. And our quarterback doesn't have a strong arm. And in a situation where there's 30, 40 mile an hour wins, it's not conducive to have Mac throw. Mac's out there in a scuba suit. Because I saw someone on Twitter posted, that's what Brady used to do in the cold. That's smart. Mac Jones is not used to that type of weather. I don't blame him. Most people aren't, right? Josh Allen is because he's played in Buffalo and Wyoming. And he has a big arm. But to me, that was a clinic by Bill Belichick uh, of just coaching one-on-one. And I think a lot of times we give a lot of credit to coaches for you know being geniuses and being 
having crazy plays and doing things we've never thought of. But that game looked like something you would see in high school football in 1992. That looked like NFL football in 1976. And he's just, he does not care. He will do whatever it takes to win. And that was an enormous win. They have had good wins this season. They're 8-4 and four coming into the game. That was easily, I don't even think there's a close second, the most impressive post-Brady win for Belichick. I, I, I don't think it's close. I, I, I really don't. To go into Buffalo, the what was on the line in this game, clearly it was a huge night for Buffalo, the fan, and to win like that with three pass attempts. Let me repeat, three pass attempts, tip my hat. Um, it's just, it just, he's the best coach ever and he runs the best operation we've ever seen. No, it's not coincidence that the two, arguably the best NFL coach and the best college coach, both underdogs, both, oh, they shouldn't win either game. Both of them won. And let's, I know this, the score of the NFL game was much closer than Bama, Georgia, but they dominated. They dominated the game. That was, as just a fan of football, that was enjoyable to watch. Now, let me go to the flip side. I said this was the biggest game uh, Sean McDermott and Josh Allen in the regular season have ever played. And I think Sean McDermott, listen, I like the guy. Uh, I worked with him for a year in Philly. He is a very, very impressive individual. He's a good football coach. Tonight wasn't his night because he's a defensive guy. He's a tough guy. And his team got bullied. His team got shoved around. And really, there wasn't anything you could do, right? Because after like the 10th play, it was so clear they were going to run the ball. That's all they were going to do. They didn't even contemplate passing. They, it wasn't, they weren't even options to check into. It was just, Mac, call the play, hand it to our running back, and we're going to shove it down their throat. The Bills knew it. Everyone in the stadium knew it. Sean McDermott knew it, and they couldn't do anything to stop it. And sometimes it's just, that's pretty basic, but I, I don't think we need to overthink this one. The Patriots shoved them around. The Patriots, the underdog, it's weird to say, but this isn't the Brady era anymore, shoved the Bills around, who I think... For most of us, like a month ago, we're Super Bowl-type favorite. I can't look at them like that. They can't beat the Patriots at home when their quarterback attempts three passes. Now, on the bright side of the game for the Bills is there's a reason that I like big-arm quarterbacks because I think they matter in the Northeast and in the, in the middle of the country, in the AFC and NFC North in December and January, in places like Kansas City, in places like Pittsburgh, in places like New York, in places like New England, in places like Buffalo. It matters. And if you saw tonight, the Bills cannot run the ball like the Patriots. They don't have that capability. They don't have the talent on their offensive line, and definitely their running backs aren't as good as the Patriots running backs. I don't I don't blame them for that. Their quarterback, though, has a hose. And you saw tonight, into the wind, it didn't look any different than him throwing with the wind. You could not tell. I thought Josh Allen, I know he's 15 of 30. His box score does not reflect. I thought he was excellent tonight. I thought he was really good given the circumstances. I thought Dawson Knox was terrible. Dropped several passes. Digs on the one, and I get uh, it's probably moving in the wind. He hit him in the hands. I, I thought Josh Allen, like, listen, if I was a Bills fan, I would definitely be down. I bet a lot of money on the Bills tonight. That sucked. But... As a fan of Josh Allen, the football player, I left impressed. I left that's a guy you can win big-time playoffs games with. Their defense has to be better because you saw Mac Jones didn't have to do shit. I've been saying this for a while, and I like Mac Jones. What You saw what Peyton said tonight. 
He reached out to Mac Jones. Mac Jones says he wasn't allowed to talk. The Patriots denied. Mac's an impressive guy. He is infinitely more mature than probably 99%, including myself, people listening to this podcast, were at his age. He's very impressive. It, I can't imagine how difficult it is being in his position as like the savior since Brady. He has been awesome this season, given what they've asked. He just won a game on the road against a playoff team throwing the ball three times. That, to me, sums up the New England Patriots, and there's nothing wrong with that. Jimmy Garoppolo once won an NFC Championship game throwing it eight times. You do whatever it takes to win, but that's the team he's on. Josh Allen had to throw it 30 times, and you could argue they should have thrown it more. If they would have thrown it more, they would have success. He was undetoured by the weather, right? The, the weather doesn't impact his ball. Why? Because he's throwing like 120 mile an hour BBs. He's throwing darts. And, you know, his, I thought his receivers let him down because a couple times he ran for first downs. He dove. He's, he's tough as shit. Uh, I, I was impressed. Like, I mean, let's face it. Now, I'm not, I can't compare Mac, uh, a guy halfway through his first season, and a guy in his fifth year on a $150 million contract. But they're not on the same level, right? Which one day Mac, but Mac is never going to have those physical attributes. He's going to have to play a lot different. But it's going to be difficult. Like, Bill's just going to have to build his team to avoid Mac to throw in these situations. Uh, but he did that tonight, and it worked. That was a... That was an v- incredible win by the Patriots. Incredible cho- coaching job by Bill Belichick. And, uh, you know, sometimes the great part about football, listen, we all love offense. We love fantasy football. Sometimes it's fun to watch something like that. See the wind going, you know, 50 miles an hour, snow coming down, everyone freezing their ass off. Like, that's the National Football League in December. Th- th- that's for playoff seating. That's Bill Belichick and the Buffalo Bills. That That felt right tonight. That was... As someone that hates the cold and likes uh, to play golf 80 degrees in December and January, that that was awesome. I I, th- I didn't move. And usually, even Monday Night Football game, you know, I'll kind of get up and, you know, have it on the background and lock it in the second half. I, I didn't leave the couch for three hours. Uh, th- that, that was fun. Incredible win by the Patriots. They are. They're a force to be reckoned with right now. Okie dokie. Let's roll. Let's start with the Steelers and Ravens game. And I I didn't see this thing live on Sunday. Watched it Monday morning. Uh, Just a fantastic old school football game. And to me, the number one thing that jumped out watching those two teams play, and it really always does uh, over the last two decades since both those guys have been coaches. I saw Albert Breer wrote, they face each other 30 times. Tomlin has, you know, the edge. He's 116 and Harbaugh's 114. But the Ravens have a star young quarterback. And I know he's been up and down this season. And they've had a bunch of injuries. But every single human alive would take Lamar Jackson over Ben Roethlisberger. The Steelers shouldn't be able to win this game with Ben Roethlisberger. But their culture in that place, whatever it is, is absolutely incredible. And we talk about culture a lot in football. Uh, and it's one of those things that you just can't quantify. Like, I, what, what does that mean? Like, I know in my experience, people are like, what was it like to work for Andy Reid? It was like, I, I, our culture was pretty simple. You worked your ass off and you treat people well. <laughs> and, you know, he hires good people, lets them work. Everyone's pretty high character and things work out. <laughs> you know, it's not like that complicated. It, you know, I can't speak to the Pittsburgh Steelers culture, but for whatever reason, whatever goes on in that building, with Tomlin leading the charge, with the Roonies own, owning that team, they just adapt and overcome. Because they've had a quarterback now for four years. I I looked at this morning, four years. 
Roethlisberger's the year before he got hurt, he wasn't that great. You you could tell he was slipping. The year he tore his arm, last year and this year, it's like I, I don't know how he's doing it. And they're 35, 23, and two over that period of time. I have a front row seat over here with the 49ers, and they struggle to just win games. And they have this young coach, and it's like, I, 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 hell, the two teams that I'm the most locked and loaded with out here on the West Coast were the Niners and the Raiders. And the Niners have had much more success, mainly just because of three years of Jim Harbaugh and then one two years ago with Kyle. But other than that, they lose all the time. And the Raiders, I saw it firsthand before they let, went to Vegas, and even now they're in Vegas. It's not like they're winning either. They just always lose. I, yeah, I, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, certain winners win. Right, the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, they got Joe Lacob, they get Steve Kerr, they just have a winning atmosphere in there. And I think it's the Steelers, it's remarkable what they're able to pull off. Because that game, one, they did nothing offensively for three quarters. They were down seven to three going into the fourth quarter. You know, when you look up and you see the final score, you're like, how did they score all these points? Roethlisberger made enough plays. Their defense just, that trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, that's one of the things if I could take back one take I've had over the last several years, I mean, I take back a lot. I mean, I I miss a lot. That Minka Fitzpatrick trade I thought was moronic when they gave a first-round pick for that guy. He's fantastic. An absolute playmaker who picks the ball off all the time. You know why? Because they can isolate guys. They know who fits. And the Ravens do the same thing. I mean, the Ravens right now are 8-4. I love them going for two at the end of the game. You play to win the game. You go for the kill shot. When there's blood in the water, that's when the great white sharks circle to eat. I, I, I hate this, like, oh, we should have kicked kick for overtime. Like, just go for the, you're at the two-yard line. You got the best player on the field in Lamar Jackson. You know, in theory, on any given play, should be able to make a play. And they hit it. The guy was open. Lamar just missed him. He dropped the ball. But that's, I, I, I love that mentality. I love that mindset. And they've been doing it now for years. They always go forward on fourth down. They always go in the two-point conversion. And I, I, I give the Steelers a ton of credit. I give Mike Tomlin I mean, it's crazy what he's pulling off. He has no business winning these games. He, he, his quarterback is ancient. Uh, you know, their defense actually played a lot better yesterday. But they're wide receivers. You know, Antonio Brown ain't walking through that door. I mean, they, you know, Claypool's solid. Uh, 18's a good player. Najee Harris, they don't have... Their offensive line's pretty questionable. They can't really block for him, but he's a good player. TJ Watt is fantastic. Uh, it, it's just remarkable... You know, we talked so much over a two-decade span because they won so many Super Bowls, and everyone wrote all these books and wrote all these in-depth journalistic pieces on the Patriots. I don't think we do that enough with the Steelers. And I know it's not quite as sexy because they've, you know, I guess only won one champion. I guess they've won two championships in the last 20 years. But their consistency of winning and going to the playoffs every year and winning these games is, as just a fan of football and a fan of successful organizations, I tip my hat to it because we know the Ravens. I mean, since they've got Lamar, they go to the playoffs every year. The Steelers, I mean, they got they got a quarterback who's 40 years old who starts telling everyone the last couple of weeks he's going to retire, who looks like a shell of himself. And that's that's no shot at Big Ben. He was a remarkable player in the peak of his powers. He could move. He had a huge arm. He was athletic. He was so strong. He's, he can't do that anymore. It, to me, even his arm doesn't look quite as strong, which is understandable. He ripped his elbow a couple years ago. So it's just... I have to tip my hat to the culture of that entire building because it, it truly is remarkable. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. 
And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another thing, a game I watched this morning was the Eagles and uh, the Gardner Minshew show. And I talk about this a lot during free agency and definitely during the draft. Value, 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 value. The price and the profit you make in something is not when you sell it. It's what you buy it for. And nothing is more true to that than the draft. It's why we give people so much credit when they get star players in the fourth, the fifth, the sixth round. Because when you get a player in that round that becomes a pro bowler or an all pro, for the first three years of his career, you pay him seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. And even once you pay him big money, 
you know, over a six, seven year span, when you break it all down, it's an incredible value, right? When you draft someone number one overall, you're expecting a lot of that guy. When the Niners drafted Nick Bosa, number two overall, anything less than a Pro Bowl player is a whiff. Period, point blank, end of story. It's why we're so hard on Tua, even though Tua's having a good little stretch here. But it's like Tua was drafted fifth overall. If Tua was a third round pick, we'd be like, God, it's a hell of a value. What a pick by the Dolphins. But he was drafted fifth and he was drafted, you know, before Herbert. We do this a lot, right? Uh, you know, in, in the business world. Anytime someone acquired, like you look back on uh, on Google uh, acquiring YouTube, you're like, how much did they pay for it? God, that worked out pretty well. Or when Facebook acquired Instagram for a billion dollars, like pretty good purchase, right? It pretty it worked pretty well. If you've bought a house in the last two years since Corona hit, like you've paid a premium, you know, you just have. Now, if you like the house, no big deal. But if you're like, God, you know, you paid a 30, 40, 50% premium. You look at the, the price of cars right now. You want to go buy a used car? Well, that's fine. But you're paying a 25, 30% markup. Better be a sweet car because you're paying a premium. When, when you get a deal, you don't complain as much. You're like, God, you, see what I, I, what I paid for these jeans? 50 bucks. Love these things, right? You pay $300, $400 for a pair of jeans. You look at them a little differently. And the... Listen, I, I spent multiple years. My desk was right next to, you know, Howie's was in a big office. I just had a little cubicle. First year, I was kind of exposed. Second year, I had an actual office. And I've said this all the time when anyone asks, his ability to understand the marketplace and value is incredible. His relationship with agents and ability to do deals with other teams is second to none. The, the guy is a wheeler and a deal dealer. And obviously, they've been making trades for a decade plus. He can make trades with the best of them. And when they traded for Gardner Minshew, a guy that makes this year eight hundred fifty grand and next year makes $970,000, he's a quarterback, right? So if you get that position at cheap, he gave up a six-round pick. And if Gardner was just truly their backup quarterback, which, you know, even for the majority of the season, they still had Flacco. Gardner was the third quarterback. But let's face it, they knew what they were doing when they traded for him because we've seen him play for a joke franchise, I actually just saw a tweet from Field Yates that of the 11 of the last of the Jaguars, their last 11 seasons, they have lost 10 games in 10 of them. The one season they went 10 and 6 and they went to the AFC Championship game. So when you look at the sample side of the Jags, sample size of the Jags, that one year where they went to the AFC Championship game and hell, they could have beat uh, the New England Patriots in that game. Remember, they kicked the Steelers ass, even though the Steelers kind of came back at the end. That's an outlier. That franchise is where losers go to lose. <laughs> that franchise is a joke. There's no way around it. The cons might be good people. Their ownership is, is an embarrassment. It really is when it, when it comes to their football team. And they're, they're losing more now. They're headed to nowhere fast. But they get Gardner Minshew. If you watch him play for the Jags, the dude made some plays. And I understood even why the Jags are getting rid of him, right? His confidence and his cockiness, which makes an undersized kind of playmaker, like to me, he's got some Jeff Garcia qualities to him. And remember Jeff Garcia in the late 90s, early 2000s, you looked at him you're like, he shouldn't be that good, but he just had some shit to him. And Gardner does too. But when they acquired him for a six round pick, one, they were doing a couple things. One, it's just incredible value. You could get a guy who can start for you, who's thrown a bunch of touchdowns, who's won games in this league for a six round pick, a quarterback who doesn't make anything. You do that all day long. Look how much these teams with uh, you know, with younger quarterbacks pay for their backup, right? Three, four, five, eight million dollars. Hell, Andy Dalton made 10. 
Now, Ryan Pace is one of the worst general managers we've seen in recent memory, but the going rate for a good backup is somewhere between that five to $10 million range. If Minshew was not a third-year player, right, or I guess he's yeah, he's a third-year player, then he'll go in next year, will be his fourth year. If he was like a six-year player and was going to be a free agent, someone would probably give him $5 million to be the backup. Hell, someone might give him like nine and let him compete to be the bridge quarterback. But Howie deserves a lot of credit for not only making this trade, but you get him in the building, and because of the way Jalen Hurts plays, he gets injured. And then they get the opportunity to see him play, and I go, well, he throws it better than Jalen. Now, Jalen is a fantastic runner. He's really tough, and knowing a lot of people there, they love his personality, the way he carries himself. He's an impressive guy. It's why Saban and Lincoln Riley, everyone that was around him in both those programs, still speak very highly of Jalen. So it's not like he's some, some slap. Right, But he has some flaws as a quarterback. His throwing is very, very hit or miss. Where Minshew is nowhere near the runner, obviously, of Jalen, but he can throw. This guy can throw touchdowns. And I'm watching him yesterday. He's playing the Jets. So I'm not trying to anoint this guy as the next starting quarterback, even if he's a lifetime backup. This is the easiest move. Where were all these other teams trading for a guy like this. It's a no-brainer. It's one thing if, you know, you had to give up a third-rounder for him. I get teams value that position, or excuse me, value that pick, the value if you get a starter in the third round, how cheap they are. I get it. A six-round pick, who gives a shit? Like, I listen, even when I worked in the NFL, like, you get bored, like, starting in the fifth round. Like, you're kind of throwing, you know, blindfolded darts at a, at a wall. Hopefully, you hit something. You know, for every George Kittle and Richard Sherman and all these, you know, Tom Brady, most guys don't turn out to be much. They turn out to be role players. But if I can get a quarterback for a six-round pick who can win me football games, if you haven't had the opportunity, there was about as pure of a moment as you'll see of, I think, John Clark, who covers the Eagles, got this video of Minshew and his dad after the game. And he was so excited. And I, I say it all the time as someone whose dad isn't around. Like, I, whenever I see moments like that, it, it makes me, you know, it, it's a powerful thing. And your your family, you know, is, as the older you get, and I'm sure anyone who's younger, you'll experience this as life goes on. You, you realize, like, how much they mean to you. And no matter how many professional avenues you travel down or financial gains you may have or any of the materialistic BS... There's something powerful about people that have been in your life since you were nothing, since literally, I mean, you were zero years old and who have been in the foxhole with you from day one and you get to celebrate that stuff with. I thought that was probably one of, if not the coolest moments from Sunday is that video going viral of Minchu and his dad. And again, I'm saying this over and over. I get they beat the Jets and the Jets are a clown show right now. Robert Sala. I mean, I know Zach Wilson, quote unquote, had the best game of you know of his career. They're they got a long way to go, but the way Minshew played, like I, I think they have to start asking themselves. Look at the NFC East, the football team. They're coming. They've been playing really, really good football. Ron Rivera is a good coach. Like he might not be the sexiest coach because he doesn't call offensive plays. He's an old school dude who went to the University of Tech, Cal, former linebacker, tough guy, drops some f bombs. His team's tough, and they are not going away. Well, they play the Eagles twice over the next, you know, four, five weeks. They play the Cowboys twice. The Eagles play, obviously, the football team twice, the Cowboys and the Giants. All this stuff's going to play out. And if I'm Sirianni, if I'm Howie, if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, I think I'm meeting like Monday morning. 
you know, let's just give Minshew another game. Let's see if this works. Because they have a lot of firepower outside. And ultimately, if you watch the football team, like Heineke, he's got some flaws, but he can run around, he can make some plays. And obviously Prescott, if he can get some of the mojo back, they have a ton of weapons. Once Amari gets back into the mix, C.D. Lamb, Gallup's back, Pollard. I mean, you got to be able to score. And we saw Jalen Hurts, you know, what was it? It feels like two months ago, that Monday night game against Dallas, like it was an embarrassment. Now, that was the worst game of the season, but to win big games, you have to throw. You have to throw. It's why when Lamar, it's why when we've been critical of Lamar over the couple of years, like for them to make, you know, huge strides in January, Lamar, he's going to always beat you with his legs. He has to beat you with his arm. And to me, I think you have to ask yourself, does Minshew just give us a better chance to win some of these games? I don't think he's going anywhere. That's an incredible, incredible value trade. The other thing that happened Sunday that was a little out of left field was the former shooting star, Joe Brady, who wasn't the offensive coordinator of LSU. He was the co-coordinator passing game guy for the 2019 team, which is probably statistically going to go down and it's going to age well as one of the greatest teams we've ever seen. But looking back, you go, well, you know, it makes some sense, right? They had Joe Burrow, they had Justin Jefferson, and they had Jamar Chase. And hell, their running back is the starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, just their offensive alone was remarkable. And really, Clyde is more of a pass-catching running back. Jamar Chase and Jefferson are already elite players, and we know how good Joe Burrow is. So, like, most good coaches get made on good players. But the difference here was... Before we had ever heard Joe Burrow's name, he was just, you know, kind of a quality control guy. And a lot of people ask me, like, what does a quality control or a graduate assistant mean? It basically just means you're like a secretary version for an offensive coordinator, usually is what it means. You do all the grunt work, all the tough stuff. Now, you still get to coach. You spend all this time. If you're a, a, you know, a quality control guy for the Saints, you're working hand in hand with Sean Payton. It's an incredible starting point, right? All those guys that were GAs for Nick Saban over the years, all those guys started quality control guys over the years for Belichick. You know, same thing with Andy Reid. You become head coaches that way. But it's the lowest level on the totem pole for like a full-time staff member. And that's what he was until Ed Ogeron hired him and they won the national championship and he became a star. And the hype train in, I, I would say, with coaches now because of, Look at the money that's getting thrown around. Like, it hit me today, and we'll get into some of the college stuff here in a second. You start paying guys 10 years, 80 million, 10 years, 95 million, eight years, 110 million, whatever. What do you think these NFL coaches are thinking? We just talked about, what what do you think John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin are thinking? What do you think Andy Reid's thinking? I mean, are you kidding me? What, Sean McVay, these these guys, wait, you're going to pay Mario Cristobal $80 million? What the fuck am I worth? Because that's what I'd be thinking. Now, football coaches or football guys, they're not obsessed with money, but their agents are. And and their agents are constantly, you know, they understand how much money is getting thrown around and especially how much money the NFL is making. But Joe Brady rode a hype train, and this happens a lot during the draft. And it it happens, and I was thinking about it. it, I I remember the first time that I experienced it on the media side because we used to always make fun of when I was working with the team, how the media would hype up players and how it would just create a life of its own. And then all of a sudden, you start questioning yourself inside the building. You're like, I've been watching this guy for eight months. He sucks. But now everyone, you know, you got Peter King and Albert Breer and Coward and all these people are saying he's, you know, people are coming on their show saying he's a first round pick. 
Like I had this guy in the fourth and things can take on a life of their own. Nothing's more evident than several years ago with uh, Tua, right? It was like Tua can't miss tank for Tua. Turns out he's easily the third best quarterback in his draft. And it's really not even that close. And he's even playing well. But I vividly remember it with Marcus Mariota. And when Marcus Mariota was coming out, and I, I went that year to the Pac-12 championship. I'd seen him play live a couple times. I like Marcus Mariota. And I knew people for the Oregon staff at the time. His character was impeccable, high-level guy. And if you meet him, Marcus is always taller than I think most people would think he is. Like, he's like 6'4". He's a big dude. But he, he didn't throw the ball that well. And if you really watched him in Oregon, he was kind of inaccurate. Yet all these guys, and listen, I, I like Joel Klatt and I like Rick Neuheisel. At the time I had a radio show, we had them both on. And they both compared him to Steve Young. And I, I think sometimes college analysts, they, they have now, college, college football is the second biggest sport in America. So their platform is massive. So when Joel Klatt talks, or Rick Neuheisel, who does the SEC stuff, talk, they get traction. And I think sometimes, it, and I didn't know this until I worked in the NFL, until you immerse yourself with studying pro football, it's hard to make some of these comparisons because most of these college guys are living and dying with college football. They're not watching NFL football all Sunday and all Monday and really then studying it Monday through Saturday. They're doing college football stuff. So when you throw a comparison like that out, sounds good. People eat it up. People are like, damn, Mariota, Steve Young. He wasn't even close to Steve Young. And as his career's played out, he's a backup. Good backup. I'd want him as my backup quarterback, especially if I can get him like the Raiders this year for two or three million dollars. But he, if he starts, like you're not going to make the playoffs. He's just incapable of doing that now. But the hype on him was just so strong, right? It, it was it was incredible, and it happens every single year. It'll happen with several players this year because the hype train. There's no stopping it. It happened with Joe Brady. It's like Joe Brady is the next. He wears Jordans. He's got this necklace. He's 30 years old. He's like the next Sean McVay. Actually, he lasted in the league a year and a half and he got fired. And from what I've heard, I asked a lot of people because I just wondered, like, I wonder if Joe tried to jump off the sinking ship. And from what I heard, and, I, and Albert Breer wrote about this, their offense was going the wrong way fast. And listen, it's not all Joe Brady's fault, right? They've had several different quarterbacks. The Sam Darnold decision is a disaster. He's not the general manager. But he couldn't figure out how to score points. Their offense is atrocious. And it might be just simple. He was a little over his head. And he shouldn't have been in that position. Now, I don't blame him for taking that job. He just became a multimillionaire. But and as Albert Breer wrote today in the MMQB, like he actually interviewed last year for head coaching jobs and executives were impressed when he interviewed. I'm sure he's an impressive guy. And a lot of guys, like academia, everyone has these theories that should work. Get in the trenches of society. right? You can talk to me about supply and demand all you want actually run the business, see how it actually works, right? It's always easy to go in the classroom and be told like, this is how you got to do it. This is how you got to do it. It's like, okay, come follow me on 10 sales calls for the next month. See how it fucking really, see how it really works. You got to pay some guys under the table to do something depending on your industry, right? It's, that's the way the real, there's a big difference between the real world and the classroom. Just no different. There's a difference between the interview and actually getting the job and actually doing it. Because I can interview and be really impressive, be well-spoken, be articulate, look the part, drop Sean Payton and Joe Burrow and some of these names, have some incredible references. And then I get the job. And then, you know, and Matt Rule, listen, he bought into the hype because he didn't know this guy. And then he hires him kind of out of nowhere just because that was a sexy guy to hire. And then you get in there. Well, eventually you got to start scheming things up. You're no longer just the passing game coordinator the entire offense falls on you because your head coach is just a CEO guy. 
It, it's all on you, buddy. So when shit's not working, can you fix it? Do you have any other pitches? Do you have any other schemes? Or just can you just reiterate everything Sean Payton said to you? And I'm not trying to talk shit about this guy, but it, it happens all the time. And then we're shocked when something like he gets fired, you know, halfway through the second year, which again, he is not the general manager. But you, I would be shocked if he didn't be like, yeah, I want to, you know, uh, I'll coach Sam Darnold. Hell yeah, let's go trade for him. Matt Rule's like, okay, let's do it. And then it doesn't work. And listen, I had been on record of saying I would have made that trade. The difference is I get paid to talk for a living. I'm an entertainer. Those guys, I say it all the time. Like, it doesn't matter what I say or what Coward says or what anyone says. It doesn't matter. That is not our job. The, the, the Miami Dolphins' job was not to figure out what hype was. It was to pick the right player. And they drafted the wrong quarterback. Period, point blank, end of story. Like, it's not, not even arguable at this point. They would rather have Justin Herbert than Tua. Now, that doesn't mean that Tua can't be serviceable like he's become. Somehow, Jalen Waddell is 86 catches. Pretty remarkable. But, like, it's not their job to worry about what the what, what the people on the outside say is kind of irrelevant. It's your job to figure it out. Just like it was Matt Rule's job to hire the right offensive coordinator. He just went with a sexy big name, right? And it's utterly failed them. And they're 5-7. and seven, They're trending in the wrong direction. They have no... Uh, they really don't have that many options to get quarterbacks moving forward because they're on the hook for Sam Darnold. So maybe this guy will get a job, you know, as some big offensive coordinator, uh, you know, with Mario Cristobal or something, but he's been on record saying he doesn't like to recruit. So if you don't like to recruit, how are these big time programs going to hire you? Because you've already proven like, well, when you actually had to call the entire offense, you didn't do as well. And things change very, very fast. And let's talk about Mario a little bit, who officially... Uh, told the players at Oregon he's gone. And he accepted the University of Miami job. And I, I, I have had this philosophy for a long time. And I, I said it the other day, I guess on Monday's pod. I'm going to hammer it at home again today with even more. I'm going to really try to describe it. Because I am a big believer where you're from matters in college football. And now Oregon has lost its last two coaches and really three of its last four coaches to other jobs. Now, granted, Chip left to the Eagles. I don't think that's that crazy, but Chip Kelly was not a West Coast guy, even though he's still at UCLA, just because that was, it was either UCLA or Florida, and he picked a, you know, less pressure job. Let's just, let's be frank about it. But Chip left, Helfrich got fired, they hire Willie Taggart, he went back to Florida State, and then Mario, he went back to the South. And where you're from really matters in college football. And I think where you're from really matters in life. The difference is, Andy Reid's a California guy, he's worked now in Philly and Kansas City. In pro football, just do you have a star quarterback? Can you win there? They'll pay you a premium and you're good. In college football, because you have to recruit, there is, you have to understand, especially like on the West Coast, your most frugal, uh, you know, recruiting ground is going to be California. So when you look at Oregon, when they had their longest tenured coach before Chip Kelly, it was Mike Bellotti, who went to school at UC Davis, who was from Sacramento. And he was there from 1995 till 2008. And I think about it all the time. I, I've been, I've lived in Philadelphia. I lived for six months in Kansas City. But the majority of my life, I've lived in California. It's why I say when these, when these programs in the Pac-12 are going to hire, hire someone from the West Coast. I worked for a guy, Pat Hill, from LA. Worked at Fresno State for like 15 years. Pete Carroll, most successful college coach out here the last 20 years. Where's he from? California. Where'd he coach? USC. Chris Peterson. Where'd he crush it at? Boise State, University of Washington. Who should Oregon probably hire? Chris Peterson. Jeff Tedford, California guy. I would feel comfortable if, if you put me in a situation. You could put me in the hood or you could put me at the country club 
in LA, in the Bay Area, in the Valley, in Sacramento, and I think I'd have a fighting chance to spark a conversation with someone. Now, it doesn't mean if you put me in the wrong hood, I might get shot, or at the right, wrong country club, I might get thrown out. But if those places were in California, I'd feel pretty good about myself. Now, I talk for a living, so maybe I could pull it off. You did the same thing in Texas or Florida, but I would be way less comfortable. And when I was at Fresno State, Coach Hill used to, we used to recruit a lot of guys from Southern California. And I remember vividly, this guy played in the NFL for a while. He, we were recruiting this one guy who was a star player in South Central LA. Uh, it was like Compton Watts kind of area, kind of right by USC. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, the movie Training Day when Denzel's just walking down the street at night, a little like that. But he's, he walks down the street and they're supposed to send out a guy to walk him like three blocks because it's not safe. Well, Coach Hill doesn't wait for him. He breaks stride and just walks right down the right down the street and goes right, knocks on the guy's door and goes and shows up for dinner. And they're like, damn, we were supposed to send someone for you. This guy ended up going to a much bigger school and played in the league, actually still in the league. But the point is he's, he was very comfortable. He could go to South Central LA just like he could go to Monterey at the country club and recruit a player. Pete Carroll was the same way. They're very comfortable in California. There's an ethos to our people out here. No different than Mario when... Uh, when uh, F- Miami came calling, he felt very, very comfortable going home because those are his people. He is most comfortable around those people. You just understand them. It doesn't mean you can't leave home. You don't ever come back. But whenever you do, you do relate to those people. That does not leave you. And in college football, when you're sitting in people's homes, especially in a place like Florida or in the Pac-12 where you're going to recruit a ton in California, being comfortable in this environment matters. So I don't blame him at all for leaving. And I think the biggest mistake Oregon has been making is hiring these people outside. Uh, the last two guys they've hired from the South. So you got the guy that want, Florida State was like his dream job and the other guy's dream job was Miami. So are they using you as a stepping stone or are they just going home? If you hire a Jeff Tedford, a Chris Peterson, a Pete Carroll type, the only people they're going to leave you for if they're from the West Coast is the NFL. And the reality is with Oregon, they have Phil Knight, who has unlimited amount of money. There is no amount of money they can't spend. If they want to sign a guy with a 10-year contract, $150 million, they can do it. But if you sign that guy from Alabama's program or LSU's program or Oklahoma's program, he might leave you. Why? Because they just... Listen, I don't agree with everyone in the state of California, but I relate to the people. I, I just do. No different than, like I said, I listed all those guys. So if you get a guy who's from this region, he's more likely to stay, i.e. Mike Bellotti, i.e. Mario is probably going to be in Miami for a long freaking time if he has success. And they'll keep him there. It'll be his dream job. He will not need to leave because he'll be compensated. He just got $80 million. And uh, he'll feel very comfortable in the area. And I think when I look at Brett Venables, who Oklahoma just hired, he's from Kansas. He's from that region. This was this is a guy that has been at you know Clemson now for a decade, making huge money. He was the highest paid defensive coordinator in college football. And I think even if you factored in the NFL, he'd be one of the highest paid uh, coordinators in uh, in the entire sport. But he kept turning down these jobs. He kept turning down these jobs. And he finally accepted this one. Now, granted, he'd worked there. He's lived a pretty charmed football life. He's worked for two people in 20 years. He worked for Bob Stoops starting in 99 until about 2012. And then you Sooner fans listening, I, I think he got fired, forced out, went to Clemson. And he's been with Dabo ever since. And he came home to go to Oklahoma, right, to become the head coach. 
because I think he's very comfortable with that. It's his ethos. These are his people. He feels very at home in this program. Also, he's already worked there, just like Mario. He's already worked there. And I, I think that really, really matters in college football. Where in the pros, like, where's Joe Judge from? I have no clue. It doesn't matter. If he wins with the Giants, he would never leave the New York Giants, right? Belichick has happened to work in the Northeast the majority of his career, right? Work for the Giants, work for the Patriots, and work for, work for the Jets for a minute. And it feels very normal. He just kind of just happens to be there. But like I said, like Pete Carroll, he worked for the the Jets and the Patriots. It didn't matter. If he would have had success and not got fired, he would have kept the, he would have stayed. Right? Sean Payton, where's he from? I don't know. Bruce Arians, I don't know. He went to Virginia Tech. Coach of Temple. Who who cares? In the pro football is is a completely different animal. The difference now though is there's so much money on the line in college football. The amount of money that's getting thrown out is pretty outrageous. And if you're a coach, it's a good thing. You can make a ton. Billy Napier just signed a five-year or like a $50 million deal. He's, I think, a seven-year contract, making $7 million a year to live in Gainesville, Florida. Do you know how much money $7 million is to be a head football coach in Florida? I mean, no state income tax. These guys are printing cash. I've been saying for a while, football coaching is the new Wall Street. You see these contracts getting thrown around? Like, is J.P. Morgan paying, like, just random people $10 million a year? Their CEO makes a lot and a couple executives. But think how many football coaches now making six, seven, eight, and then all the NFL guys, people making a ton of money. Scouting community, it's not quite as lucrative. So uh, I would uh, I would push all my scouts that are listening. Maybe you should transition to coaching because there's a lot more cash into it. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person Anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is it the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it because like most 16 year old kids you don't exactly get a luxury automobile so you look at it you go well i need to add some speakers i need to tint out the windows i need to make this thing the coolest car possible so i can cruise around town with all my buddies waving at the babes and enjoy myself so my favorite part of car culture when i was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride 
the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Okay, let's get to the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram account. At John Middlecoff. Uh, fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. Been listening to the pod for a while. Despite being a loyal listener, I am a Cardinals fan and have had to listen to you pretty much bash, bash them for a few years. All while worshiping the Niners and the Rams. But you said recently you fundamentally disagree with the air raid offense, and that is why you can't get behind the cards. I, I, no, I, I said the cards. I, I gave them some, their flowers a couple weeks ago. I think you need to go back to your fundamentals because that is not what they run. Evidence can be as simple as one stat, rushing yards. Why don't you look at your Niners, apparently God's gift to all of us? I don't know if you've listened to my other podcast. I talk a lot of shit about the Niners, homie. Uh, why don't you, uh, so don't, don't, like Colin says, it's better to get it right than be right. I will accept your apology on your next mailbag. Honestly, though, man, your podcast's awesome. Listen, they run a spread offense. It's not debatable. Now, they've had success this year running the ball. The reason they've been really good, obviously, is their quarterback, uh, and Cliff's done a good job. Again, I, I gave them their flowers a couple weeks ago. They've had a fantastic season. Their defense has been awesome. Their defense has been fantastic. It, it really has. They are a throwing team uh, who has, it can gash in the run. When, you're, when you can spread them out and you have Hopkins, I know he's been hurt, and A.J. Green, and they get Ertz after Max Williams goes down, you have enormous lanes, especially when the quarterback can run, to gash him in the gun runs. They, they, they run a collegiate offense, and it's, it's worked because they've had fantastic players, but their defense has been awesome. They beat, I mean, the Bears were a joke, and they killed them, as they should. They're really good. I, I will not take anything away from the 2021 Cardinals. Like I said, I fundamentally agree, disagree with just the softness. Like if your running game is completely out of gun runs, it's just not really my thing. It's just not. I, I am a traditionalist who likes my quarterback to be under center in the run game. Now, we can have runs out of the gun. I have no problem with that, but I like to be able to do both. When Kingsbury last year was on a podcast with McVay and Schrager and said, you know, Sean, some of the stuff you you do, I love it. That's just not what we do. 
I, I just can't get behind that line of thinking. It's not what we do. I like my coach to be like, we can fucking do anything, right? Kyler can get under center. You just got to tell him to do it, to take the snap, and then you could do it. Now, it's clearly working, but to be sustained winning, to do it for a long period of time, you got to be able to do everything. It's Belichick's greatest attribute. They get, there's not a play that the Patriots over two decades couldn't do. Peyton Manning could run out of the shotgun or under center. Hell, he was doing the pistol stuff in Denver. That, that's my point. So it's like, I, I'm not going to change and be like, you know, I love the spread offense. The thing I appreciate most about Lincoln Riley was his physical run game. Like, I don't, I don't look at the Cardinals and think they have a physical run game. I think because of their success throwing the ball with all their outside weapons, they are able to gash people out of gun runs. It works. You know, it's just that simple. They've had a great season. I, I'm not taking anything away from them. Am I going to pick them in the playoffs? No. And I'm not in the right or wrong business, as Coward says, forever. I'm in the entertainment business. I'm going to be wrong. It doesn't matter. I'm not paid to get it right or wrong. I'm just giving you my opinion. And I listen, I I know some people around Cliff. I, I've always said the thing with Kingsbury, Marine Sun, people, but the scouting community, people I know that it went through Texas Tech, loved him. Uh, I, I, I like the guy. And, you know, he's, he's doing a good job, but I just, I don't, that's not really my offense. <laughs> it's not going to change, right? Hell, you know, BMW might be a nice car. I ain't going to drive it. It's not the type of car I like, right? It's just, it's fine. Watching the Red Zone channel as they were showing the Lions game, it occurred to me. Do you think the Lions would have won more games with somebody like Colt McCoy, Minshew, or Nick Foles? I know Goff had a winning drive at the end, but it seems like he's not a very good quarterback. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do. He can't move. He cannot move. And I heard Coward comparing to Matt Ryan. Uh, I think Matt Ryan's a lot better player than, than Jared ever was. You know, J- Jared is very unathletic. Again, relative to NFL players. And I like Jared too, just because I naturally root for, he's from California. I, I'm a Cal Berkeley Bears fan. Uh, but he just has some major physical flaws. Now, I think his his in terms of arm strength, very similar to Matt Ryan. But I even think Matt Ryan, especially younger, was a better athlete than, than Jared ever was. So their offensive line, like he can't really move. I, I would rather have Gardner Minshew than, than Jared Goff, 100%. Now, but here's the other thing. Lions don't care about winning. So it, it like doesn't matter. They're trying to get the number one overall pick, as they should. Took my boys to the Pac-12 championship game in Vegas. Incredible experience. Couldn't believe how big the game felt. Wanted to know how it looked on television beside the whooping Oregon's ass. Also, do you think the pack the game changes the narrative around the Pac-12 or does Utah still need to win the Rose Bowl to validate the conference? I thought the game looked fantastic. Absolute huge win for the conference to get the Vegas stadium because it, people are just more likely to go to Vegas than come to Silicon Valley. W- w- what are you going to do? Like, I'm going to go to San Jose? It sucks. You go to Vegas for like three days. Now, perfect storm. Utah, right up the road. I mean, it's three or four hours away. Maybe four and a half hours. I, I made that drive a bunch of times. I haven't done it in a decade, but that, maybe less than that. But I, you can make the drive straight from Vegas to Salt Lake City. So it's an easy thing for their fans. And Oregon travels well. But it felt like a Utah home game, and it, which makes sense. It's not very far away. Just like if USC is in that game, it will be a USC home game. Uh, those And obviously Oregon. It's it just you got to have the certain right teams, and that place will be awesome. So yeah, I I think if Utah were to upset Ohio State, now let's face it, 
Is Ohio State going to try that hard in the Rose Bowl? I don't know. Like They were trying to make the playoffs. And Michigan was their Super Bowl. And they lost. So I could see Utah winning that game. It doesn't mean Utah's a better program than Ohio State, but it would be a sweet win. Just like when Utah beat Alabama. Didn't Alabama that year get knocked out in the SEC Championship game? Like, bowl games, not everyone has the same level of, uh, you know, skin in the game, right? Unless you're looking at the playoffs. When you look at the bowl games, when you're going to gamble on the bowl games, try to figure out what team wants to be there and what team does not want to be there. That, that's a huge key. That's a huge factor in success. Like, I, I wouldn't mess with the University of Oregon in the bowl game. I could see Oklahoma being much more fired up in the bowl game. I would bet on Oklahoma in that game over Oregon. Now, it's harder depending on some of the smaller schools, but yeah, it was. Uh, it looked awesome on TV. Kyle Whittingham kicked their ass. Uh, I know you haven't addressed that the league doesn't care, or I know you have addressed that the league doesn't care about how bad referees are. Is there anything that can players can do to fix the problem? I know players get fined if they talk or complain about the refs, but it has gotten to the point of insanity. Fire the refs? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, it's not going to change, man. We just got to get used to it. They're terrible. They're bad. Now, there's a human element. It's hard. Would I struggle at it? I'm sure I would. It's, it's a very, very difficult job. But the people they have doing it are not very good. But it's clearly not going to change. You talked about the potential teams that would trade for Russ and mentioned Giants, Eagles, Dolphins. Wouldn't Pittsburgh or the Saints make more sense in terms of his chances of winning? Better coaches, better ownership, better defense, more weapons. I get they might have cap issues, but the Bucks and the Rams have shown their ways to get around it. The only upper hand New York, Philly, and Miami have is draft capital. But I can't see Russ waive his no-trade clause for any of them. But didn't he say he wanted to go to some of the bigger markets? Like, I, I think it's going to be very difficult. Because under no circumstances, am I John Schneider, even if Russell says I want to get traded, am I just trading him to the Steelers for pick 24? Like, what, what the fuck does that do for me? That doesn't make any sense. The best player in the history of the franchise by a mile, and I'm going to trade him for a pick in the 20s? I saw what happened when the Raiders did that with Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. It failed. It's a disaster. It would definitely fail when you're talking about a quarterback. So yeah, I get he's got a no trade clause, but it's like, well, hey, Russ, I don't have to trade you. So it's like, hey, you want to meet in the middle? We got to work together. We'll find you a destination, but it's got to be a win-win. Because this ain't the NBA. I know you think you're like an NBA player and your brand matters, which is fine, but you ain't dictating the terms here. We're going to work together if you want to get traded and you're forcing your way out. From Southern Illinois, big fan of the show. It's time for Jerry to swallow his pride in giving Zeke the bag and feature Pollard the rest of the year. He clearly made it public that Zeke will be the feature back in recent press conferences trying to save face. Owners need to own and hire GMs to make decisions on the pot. I agree. There's nothing wrong with admitting a mistake in football. It happens all the time. Hell, mistakes happen all the time in life. I mean, it's just, if you don't make mistakes on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis, you're not living life. If you're not making professional mistakes, and when I say mistakes, just like it didn't work, just move on, just pivot. Now, obviously, in the sport of football, when you give someone 50, 60, 70 million dollars, you're very financially uh, obligated is the wrong word, but I think sometimes you do feel financially obligated to see it out. When this is Belichick's best quality, like he can draft a guy in the second round and two years later, he's like, get this guy out of here. It doesn't matter. He's very unemotional. Where I would say the one knock on Jerry is he gets very, very emotional with his players and coaches. Because he, you know, for a guy that's worth billions of dollars, does kind of run it like a mom and pop shop. 
His family is there, right? They run it all. It's pretty clear Pollard's a much better player. Now, Zeke does have value. He's a great blocker. He still can catch the football. But to give him carries nonstop over a guy like Pollard, yeah, is a mistake. Pollard is just much faster. Zeke's just lost speed, which happens. Is the Cowboys' defense good enough to carry Dak's mediocre and best quarterback play in and through the playoffs? Watching him against the Saints right now, and it just seems off. I can't put my finger on it, but he's very inconsistent. I agree. Watching him, it's not like it's easy to pinpoint why he's struggling, but you can just watch him play the last month. You're just like, God, he doesn't look as good as he did the first two months. And I've been saying for a while, it might just be as simple as he had the calf injury, he battled the injuries in training camp, maybe he's just not feeling 100%. Now, he still should be able to complete some basic passes because sometimes he'll just have like a layup throw and he'll miss it. And one thing you think when Zach, when Dak is on is he's a reliable, consistent, accurate passer. But when he's off, it just feels like, God, we're missing something here. Something isn't right, right? It's like I talked about the quarterback value. When you pay a guy, part of what makes Minchu such a great deal is you're paying him seven, eight hundred grand. Part of what makes Cousins so maddening, even though his stats look good, when you watch him, you go, yeah, I just, I don't think this guy's worth $35 million. And the Vikings gave the guy $150 million, right? They gave him $85 million on his first contract, and they gave him an extension to like $65 million. They gave him a ton of money. And you watch him for a $150 million quarterback, you go, I just think there should be more to this, right? We've seen what Russell looks like. We've seen Mahomes. We've seen Rodgers. Like, that's what $35 million looks like. Brady, what's up with this? It ain't Cousins. And I think sometimes with Dak, he has moments where he looks better than Cousins, but he also has moments where the same thing. It's like, yeah, this is not a $40 million quarterback. It's why my gut instinct when they signed the contract is like, God, it just feels like a lot. And I, I'm not, I don't count other people's pockets and I don't care how much any person makes. Honestly, I root for everyone listening to make money. I, I, I am pro everyone making cash. I'm not one of those miserable media fucks who roots for everyone to fail and all businesses go under. I'm the opposite. I want everyone to crush. But when we do talk about football, there is a salary cap. If there was a salary cap, I wouldn't care. But it's like, you know, to me, Dak's probably like $28 million guy who's getting 40. Cousins probably like a $22 million guy who's getting 35. And that's a big deal when you're paying a guy a lot of money because of how you build your team. I mean, it's honestly the biggest, uh, you know, most underrated part about Brady. This guy never makes that much money ever. It's crazy. I'm a logger here in the Pacific Northwest, 30 minutes from Coward, went to high school. Love the show. Uh, I'm watching the Cowboys versus the Saints and think it's insane that Kellen Moore didn't get the nod for the head coach sit in tonight. I'm a Seattle fan and think it's time to move on from Pete, John, and Russ. It was a good run, but it's over. Is there a chance that Seattle could get Kellen Moore next year as their head coach? He's from Eastern Washington, and it just makes sense. Yeah, I would imagine if Russ is going to stay, and if John Schneider stays, he 1 million percent interviews Kellen Moore. I would also think he would try to interview Chris Peterson, assuming Chris Peterson doesn't take the Oregon job. And I know Chris Peterson said he's over coaching football, but he's too good of a coach to not have the interest of football guys. Because ultimately, a GM or a star quarterback, you want the best coach humanly possible. And like, I mean, Kellen Moore is pretty risky, right? It would be a sexy hire. He's young. He's from the state of Washington, like you said. I think his dad's a longtime high school coach there. I don't know if he's still coaching, but he was when Kellen was in college. Uh, 
I think he was Kellen's coach, actually. His, Kellen's brother, Kirby, is on the Fresno State staff. Everyone tells me he's a fantastic wide receiver coach. I mean, Fresno State's wide receivers were awesome. But, yeah, I mean, I just, it is risky. Anytime you hire a guy in his mid-30s, you know, who's only been coaching now a couple years, it's just, you, you just never know. But, I, yeah, I mean, I would, I say it all the time. He's one of the best players, any level, any sport I've ever seen live. Now, granted, it was him at Boise State, right? I'm not comparing him to pro guys. I'm just saying when he was at Boise State, he was incredible. The guy was a football genius as a player. He played for Pete. His dad's a high school coach. I think he's a really good coach. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they would interview him for sure. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a great week, and I'll see you Friday. Peace. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. <laughs> 